0: You're listening to the Bootleg Avocado Podcast, bringing you all things food, beverage, cannabis, and psychedelics. In this episode, we discuss the advancements of confections in the world of cannabis and psychedelics, from the tastiest of infused desserts, from macarons to indulgent truffle bars. Special thanks to our panelists, LJ Pifardi, CIO of Serrano Labs, Rachel King, co-founder of Company; Sebastian Sentner founder and creative director at Irvay and Ben, the representative at Hubcap Wellness. You can find out more about Bootleg Avocado on our social media handles, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Be sure to look up our upcoming live events at bootlegavocado.com. Hope to see you there and thanks for listening. All right. Good afternoon, everyone is the top of the hour. This is bootleg avocado presents confections in the world of cannabis and psychedelics. This is a virtual culinary cannabis event series jumping into another great conversation on all things food beverage cannabis and psychedelics Uh, special thank you to Matthew communications for helping us put together. Uh, this panel and also kind of working with us um, in the past couple of events which came out really nicely and, and worked out really great with the uh, experience and the panelists that we've had on. So big thank you to them. Uh, my name is Mara Rodriguez. I am the owner of Bootleg Avocado uh, and your host for today. Uh, a little bit about us. Our work is grounded on leading collaboration, support, and global innovation on everything in food, beverage, cannabis, and psychedelics. We believe in a culinary first approach to creating sociably responsible and sustainable food concepts. Uh, We are basically one more event away from our little summer break, if you will. Uh, Our next event will be starting uh, in exactly two weeks, same time, same channel, um, in which we're going to be talking about the resurgence of the uh, cannabis and hospitality tourism industry. a lot of great things to really jump into uh special thank you to humble bay social club and cultivar strategies for being a part of it please go to bootlegavocado.com uh, sign up now uh it's going to be a great conversation in all things in hospitality tourism um, just kind of another level of experience that a lot of people have been waiting for in the cannabis industry all right so for the main event um Please uh, be sure if you housekeeping items first, please be sure to drop in your comments or questions in the Q&A section. We're gonna get to as many of those as we can. Um, And without further ado, this is Confections in the World of Cannabis and Psychedelics. Uh, We wanna jump into another segment within the food, beverage, cannabis, and psychedelics industry in which we wanna talk about confections all things candies, chocolates, muffins, cookies, um, in the edible space, which is a a great thing to kind of jump into and get a little bit more experience on and see how these companies and these founders have been able to kind of start from the beginning and able to scale their particular confections. Um, We want to first start with Rachel King. Uh, She's a co-founder of uh, Canico. Hold on, let me uh, pull you up, Rachel, real quick here. All right, Rachel. Let me also get into the gallery. Hold on, let me pin you right now. All right, Rachel. How you doing, Rachel? Thanks so much for being a part of this. You've been uh, with us since, since the beginning in New York City. Yeah, so, um, so We haven't really caught up. And I kind of want to give you kind of the opportunity to just catch us up. Um, from last time we saw you, you guys were in New York. Uh, you guys launched a, f- a few SKUs on your end in San Diego. What has been kind of the trajectory and and the progress so far?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, last time I saw you was right before everything hit. Yes. Um, Luckily for us, we have thrived through the pandemic. It's been an interesting time, um, but we are fully operating in Michigan now um, with some wonderful partners. We are going back into Oklahoma, which we were previously working in. but took a little break there and we are also looking forward to launching in Arizona this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have some new products that have come out in the past two years. Um, uh, the most notable being our truffle bars. So, um, you know, nice quality truffles filled with smooth ganache, the shell and the filling your dose, which is mm-hmm. great. So you get a solid bite. Um, those are 50 milligrams each. So, uh, You know, depending on what you want, a slice will get you there, or you can take the whole thing. Um, And we've also launched our baked goods in solos, so you get a single bite if you just want to try something, or duos, which are meant for the consumers that would like a little more of a potent bite.
0: Okay. And then, have you guys been able to, um, you know, really refine the... uh, I guess the right amount of dosing, the right amount of potency of the products, and kind of really feel what your what your uh, customers are are wanting, and what's kind of the kind of figuring out kind of the next thing that you guys want to make.
1: Absolutely. So in terms of dosing and the demand, you know, there was a period where micro dosing was a buzzword. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the California market and our other markets, what we've found is that those items actually aren't our best-selling items. Okay. So we got away from microdosing or lower dosing products. Um, and it does seem like potency is still king, if you will. So people want as much bang for their buck as possible, at least in the markets we're in, um, which is fine because most of our products have chocolate or other flavorings that are you can't really tell that there's cannabis in there anyways um but in terms of product line in general you know we mix it up we try some things sometimes they don't work you know sometimes they blow up right away so it just really depends um it is definitely trial and error and in terms of you know how we dose our product i would say that's been a learning curve as well of trial and error Mm -hmm. we have gotten a lot better over the years Um, we spend a lot of time doing R&D, a lot of time working with our compliance team and our lab team to make sure that we accurately dose everything.
0: Okay. And then we saw a little segment that you guys were on ABC News, and it kind of explained, um, you know, where do you guys start out as like, uh, never, you know, start out with just kind of baking cannabis and, and everything else. How have you guys shifted to more of a stable type of like edibles, you know, company in that realm?
1: Sure. So I mean, in my previous life, if you will, I was not baking with cannabis. So luckily for me, you know, when we started this company, I came with the baking, the pastry experience, and my partners came with the other pieces of the puzzle. So that was very helpful. Um, at that time, we were in the medical market. So testing regulations were less stringent in addition to that we could do things up to 1000 milligrams which now we cannot do that it's 10 milligrams a serving 100 milligram cap per package um so in terms of that you know we again a lot of trial and error you know unfortunately for us we've had to waste quite a few batches in our day but as we move through the process it's a lot less over time it's very rare now. Um, We've implemented a ton of procedures to make sure that we do not do that. Um, So we have a high lab bill every month to ensure that we don't waste product, Um, but that's testing every step of the way. Whether we get a distillate in that does have a COA on it or not, we still test it Okay. um, introductory tests that we call a spot test, which we do a one round of the recipe with that particular distillate. Then we go into production and then we do quality control tests. And this is all before the final compliance test. Um, The reason we're so stringent on this is because not only do we have to not, we can't sell the product if it's not within the testing range, but we also have to pay to destroy. it. So it's extremely expensive and unfortunate if we spend all that time and money and then we have to throw it in the trash. Um, But little tips here and there, you know, depending on the temperature of the product is when you're going to put in the active ingredients. Um, You know, if you're cooking something to super high temp, you have to put it in at a different time than you would if you were making a chocolate product. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, that's great insight. And and what about the, you mentioned distillate in, the, in your products. How does it help to, to really maintain the flavor, especially when you're really focusing on the other flavors like chocolate and other kind of ad, uh, additions that you're adding in there?
1: Yeah, so the distillate we get is quite potent. Um, we try to use the most potent distillate we can procure. So um, with that, we just have to put in a small, tiny bit and that allows the flavor of the actual food to come forward rather than a super weedy quote unquote taste. Um, So, you know, certain things like chocolate right away mask the flavor of cannabis. Some of our items, you cannot taste it at all. Other products, um, like I would say, are jellies or blondies. There is a nuance of cannabis flavor, but it almost complements it with the fruit profiles or like the dark brown sugar profiles. So, for us, distillate provides a consistent, easy way to dose all of our products that is not super cannabis tasting.
0: There's a question that did come through, which is actually right in line. So, any um, plans on making edibles with uh, with resin or a specific strain sort of or cultivar
1: or anything like that? Yeah. So we. Um, have a few new products coming out. Um, Right now we do use distillate. We use CBN isolate or CBN uh, and we use CBD isolate. Um, We are going to make some of our jellies with live resin moving forward. Um, We want to test out how that is in the market. Um, And we also like to focus on some upcoming, I guess you would call it cannabinoids, such as CBG, um, which and this time is a little bit hard to get, um, but those are in the pipeline for us.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks, Rachel. We're going to switch over to LJ Bufardi. Uh, we'll bring you back in a second for the group discussion, Rachel. Well,
1: thank you.
0: LJ, how are you doing today? I think you're on mute there.
2: <clears throat> Let me unmute it. Great, Mario, how are you?
0: Good, good. How are things in Chicago? Uh, we want to jump into so many things that you're working on, especially as to run a lab. So give us kind of the rundown on, on you, um, you know, how you're kind of involved with uh, Sorona Labs and kind of your background, you know, as, as part of getting, you know, that candy experience into what you're doing right now.
2: Yeah, no problem. So um, I don't want to take up too much time. So I'll go through it kind of quickly. Um, so my whole background is, is confection and candy. So my family was one of the owners of Forever European Candy Company. Um, so if you're familiar with uh, Black Forest, Lemonheads, Atomic Fireballs, Boston Baked Beans, that was our, our family uh, company. And I worked there for over 36 years, did everything from you know, sweeping floors to executive board member and everything in between. Uh, in 2017, we sold our company to Ferro. Uh, at that point, I was um, introduced to a cannabis company out on the West Coast. So I met the CEO and the executive management team there through a mutual friend. Um, there was interest uh, in having me come aboard, as well as me going out there to run their edible department. So I did that. I went out to to San Francisco. I ran their edible department for about two years. So we made uh, microdosed uh, pan mints. We made um, shelf stable ice pops, and we made gummies. So you know, I went out there. Uh, got the equipment, uh, the formulations, training the employees on how to make the candy and um, did that for two years. Then uh, 2019, just before, actually just before COVID hits, I was introduced by another mutual friend uh, to the CEO, Hunter Friedland of uh, Hemp Hunter Labs, which is um, the parent company of uh, Serona Labs. We do business at Serona Labs. And uh, met Hunter and the rest of the team and just loved the concept of what they were doing and wanted to be a part of it. So I uh, Hunter came out to Chicago. We had a two-day meeting. Uh, at the end of that, um, I wanted to join the company. and he wanted to have me on board. So I came on as a, as a co-founder um, about 18 months ago now almost two years ago. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like my, my journey um, through all this. And you know some of the things that, um, I don't want to get ahead of myself with some of the questions, but one of the things that, that really um, I enjoy, I enjoy making candy, uh, enjoy formulating and, and teaching how you know, how to make quality candy. Um, my background coming from a big um, candy company was always you know volumes. You know, If you didn't do a certain amount of volumes, it was very difficult to formulate and scale up, but what we've been able to do um, is take those formulations and actually be able to scale them up for our clients that, that we do projects for. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of uh, the whole Cerona uh, um, Lab, how I came about with it, and, and what I do for the, for the company.
0: Okay, I mean, we can jump a little bit more into Cerona Labs just in general, so kind of people know a little bit more about the projects that you all are launching, uh, especially the products and how you guys are planning on on really um, getting into you know that distribution side of things. Yeah.
2: So uh, Sirona is a a business-to-business manufacturer of water-soluble liquid emulsions and water-soluble powders for for CBD. So one of the things, when I was out um, in California, you know, I was working with a lot of different um, uh, isolates, distillates, you know, in in the candy products, and the candies we were making, you know, it's very difficult to get oil and water to mix. So one of the things that really... um, made me want to jump on board with Sirona was the water solubility of our products, okay? Liquid emulsions for either uh, edibles or beverages, or we have the spray-dried water soluble powders also. So those are the two things that, you know, from being a candy maker, you know, a manufacturer of these products, I ran into a lot of uh, issues trying to put oil into a water-based product. Mm-hmm. And having the water soluble now makes life a lot easier. And one of the things that um, you know, when you're dealing with with these big companies that are, you know, either in the C B D world or going to get into the C B D world, you don't want to have to change formulas based on, you know, because one's oil, one's water. You want to really stick to your your formula and not have to tweak it as much. And you wanna add it just like you would any other ingredient because you have to be efficient and you have to keep the machines going. So That's why, you know, having our water soluble products scales up very, very easily for these companies that want to really, you know, put out a lot of beverages or a lot of edibles depending on what they want to make.
0: It seems like you, your experience just in the kind of the edible production side of things um, is is very valuable, obviously. What what have been the the other type of uh, pointers or lessons learned regards to sourcing, quality control, dosing? flavor profile what are the kind of things you can share with the audience?
2: Um, sure I'll give you you know the most important thing um, that I've learned um, is that you know flavor profile obviously is very important you could have the greatest piece of candy that doesn't taste good no one's going to. they're going to buy it once and you won't get a reset up. Um, the other big issue of course is dosing and that has to be so accurate you're, you're the way you manufacture your product has to be very homogeneous, so everything is is mixed properly, effectively. So you get, you know, if you're doing a two milligram piece or a 25 milligram piece, you need the same amount of milligrams in the first piece you make as in the last piece you make. So you know, there, there's a lot of testing that goes into it, a lot of QC that goes into it, but really, it's it's the equipment that has to be. Um, top grade equipment to make sure that each piece is properly dosed because obviously we all know if it's not you're going to have an issue okay
0: uh thanks so much uh for the background LJ. we're going to bring you back for the full panel discussion we also want to talk a little bit more about what's kind of happening with with big candy jumping into uh seeing what's happening to cannabis so I, I want to i want to get everyone's kind of uh pointers on that so next let's bring up uh sebastian Sentner. hey sebastian how are you
3: I think you're on mute there, yep. Yeah, there it's the mute button that we keep. How are you?
0: Good, good. Thanks so much for being a part of this. Um, I'm excited because I love uh, macaroons, and I love kind of really seeing the, uh, the, the high-end things of products that I, I used to do in the past. I, I have a French culinary background. I didn't get into the confection side of things, but I know the intricacies, I know the Uh, the attention to detail is very important to these products. Um, so as, you know, as, as co-founder, um, of, uh, Herve, uh, tell us a little bit more about kind of Herve luxury edibles. Uh, you know, how would you guys really start, uh, with kind of your first product, the, the main product, and then kind of really iterate and seeing what, you know, what that market is actually, you know, really liking in that realm.
3: Well, uh, so, so first, thanks very much for having me, a uh, pleasure to participate and great to, to meet all these guys. Um, so we kind of, um, th- to be frank, we kind of fell into the business a little bit because, you know, up, up here in Canada, legalization happened a few years ago and um, we started, we own hospitality businesses. So we own event catering businesses, dessert manufacturing, all that cater to kind of a luxury clientele with premium products. And something started to happen, you know, in 2018 and 2019, um, where all of a sudden our customers started to ask and inquire about cannabis. They became very, very interested in it and interested in including it in their events, including it in the desserts. And what really struck me was that it was coming from a demographic that I never really expected to hear this from. It was, you know, the soccer moms, the ladies who lunch, the corporate guys. So they started to ask us these questions and it occurred to me like, listen, I, I would have never imagined before that, that the clientele that we've serviced for 20 years in other industries was gravitating towards cannabis, but clearly they were. And it, and it was sort of that Eureka moment to us that we thought, you know what, when these when the, when it becomes more mainstream, when you have more people coming to the uh, to, to cannabis, when it becomes more part of everyone's lifestyle, they're going to demand different types of products for all different levels and the one area where we thought there could be an interesting play was in the luxury category which is something that we know well you know in non-cannabis so we started to you know think about that a little bit and look at the different opportunities and just felt that you know what it was something that we can make a difference in. Um, I think that there is, and obviously we've been doing this a lot less long than a lot of these people. Uh, I know Rachel is like a pioneer of the industry has been doing this for years and years and years, but like there's people doing it really well. So we, we just sort of, were looking at everything that they've achieved and everything they've accomplished with regards to the industry and thought like, how can we contribute, but you know, add to it as well and do something a little bit different. So we thought it would be an interesting play. And we started, uh, you know, doing some research and looking uh, around different markets, always expecting somebody to say, Oh yeah, yeah somebody's already doing that and um, and we didn't run into that and that was sort of our moment where we thought well hey maybe there's something that we, you know we want to do here so we're either 100% right or 100% wrong <laughs> um,
0: what led you guys to produce um <clears throat> uh, le mirage which is uh, kind of a, a discrete refillable dosable kind of uh, hard candy uh, dispensing mechanism which was was really interesting what kind of uh, took you to that realm to say okay there's a need for this and this is what we're going to create
3: so um, interesting about Mirage is that um, it was our second product, and we really didn't plan on launching it um, actually for a couple of years. We sort of ramped it up. Uh, Macarons was our first product because we really wanted to do something that stood out as being different, and we didn't want people to look at us and say, "Okay, you're just doing what other people have done," you know. Well, so um, the Mirage was really the foundation, and after Mirage launched, and there was so much um, success around the launch of it and so much demand for the product, we had always been talking about what follow-up products, and to us, we felt that hard candies, sublingual, uh, would be a great option. And I think that you know um, some of the technology that LJ is working on and we know there's a lot of early onset and nanotechnology and emulsion technology coming down the pipe, we think that's gonna really help the industry in general and all of the, pro- the products we all make But in the meantime, you know, a sublingual is one of the ways to get a product that is a little bit faster onset and sometimes a little bit uh, uh, stronger potency. So we were thinking about a hard candy. And the reason we liked a hard candy is because we felt that nobody was doing it really, really well yet. Um, For the most part, you don't see a lot of hard candies on the market. And for the reason uh, being that, one, uh, they are typically they're filled with sugar. They have a lot of sugar in them. Um, and it's hard to do them really well. So when we did Mirage, it didn't actually start with the idea of creating a discrete, dosable system. It actually started with the idea of creating a hard candy. And we wanted to create a hard candy, but we wanted it to relate back to the foundation of our brand, uh, which is all about the product itself. So we started, you know, working on formulations. We produced a product that is, you know, vegan, gluten-free. It has less than a 2% glycol index, which means less than two calories per serving. So all those sorts of things we said, somebody's gonna to wanna to consume this product uh, and it's gonna stand out as different. Once we had sort of gone down the road on that, we started to realize, you know what, maybe there was something else we could do in terms of playing our part in making it uh, cannabis more mainstream and addressing some of the concerns, some of the issues that still exist in the industry about you know, discrete use, dosing, all those sorts of things. And that's when we came up with, um, with Mirage. So I got my prop. All like right. suggested. Mm-hmm. And um, we just felt that, you know what, it was an interesting way to to change how people carried and consumed cannabis, because it gives you that opportunity to to wow. be discreet about it. Um, and a little bit playful in a way, and it, you know, addresses the issue about being refillable, which I think sustainability is something in the cannabis space that, you know, we all strive for, but because of regulations and everything, it's really hard with packaging and things of that sort, but we wanted something that was refillable, dosable, um, and also that was child resistant, so you know that you can carry it safely, and uh, the response has been great to it, and we're just really happy that people are adopting this as a, a method to store and consume their cannabis.
0: Wow, that, that's amazing uh, work on, on the uh, user experience end of things. Um, Thank you. What, what about when we talk about like terpenes? Um, you know, how do you kind of see that play or not play within within your products? You know, how does that kind of change the user experience?
3: Um, well, like Rachel mentioned, we, we use the same thing. We use distillate. Uh, so we use a distillate with terpenes removed. Um, to to um, Rachel's point, we're using such high potency and such small amounts of it that generally speaking in a lot of products like our macarons, it's really not an issue about uh, ever worrying about that flavor. We did it more for a flavor perspective than, than an effect. Uh, that was really the foundation of why we were working with uh, a terpene-free distillate. Um, but to the point that Rachel made earlier, which is totally true, you're not going to remove all of that weedy flavor. So what right. we found is that, you know, we, we are we are very, very, very uh, determined never to use masking agents or anything like that to, to use the actual flavor of the products and the ingredients that we're using in those products to really be what accentuates the experience for the user from a flavor profile. When it comes to macarons, it was a no-brainer. Um, it was very, very not simple to do, but it was easier to do when it came to Mirage. It's a bit more challenging, but you know, what we did is instead of looking at the different products we are using, we are creating and saying, you know, how do we make sure there isn't a cannabis flavor? It was more so that how do we make sure that if there is a cannabis flavor, that it's in specific products and those are, are, are targeted to people that actually like that flavor. So like Mirage, mm-hmm. Mirage has four flavors. We do a peppermint and a green apple a sour green apple that has zero cannabis flavor at all. You can't taste it at all. We have a cherry that has a tiny, tiny hint of it, but you'd really have to, to know. And then we do a peach. So because peach is not a really strong flavor, it doesn't actually um, mask the flavor naturally, so we didn't add anything else to it. We left that. So it means that when people go in and buy our products, if somebody's looking for a little bit of that terpene flavor or that weedy flavor, then they'll generally like the peach. If they don't, they're going towards the peppermint or the green apple. So it's more of a flavor issue. Um, but to the point of experience, I think what what both uh, you know the other panelists mentioned, it's all about consistency, homogeneity, uh, which you know the more difficult to, or the more challenging to make your product. Like in this case, we're talking about four and a half gram portions. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that homogeneity becomes really, 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 really important. So that's something that we work in terms of making sure that the COA from market to market and the the, the process from market to market is super consistent because you never want somebody to experience your product in one market and have one experience and then experience it somewhere else and have a different experience. So for me, that's more about why we chose to to go uh distillate.
0: Awesome. Um, so we're going to switch gears. Um, we're going to bring you back in the group discussion. We want to talk about, um, obviously the raise, congratulations on the raise and all those things, Thank but I want to make sure everyone has the opportunity to, to explain kind of what they're, uh, planning for the next couple of years. So, uh, Ben, let's have Ben, our representative from Hubcap Wellness. Hi
4: everyone. Thanks for having me, Mario. Awesome.
0: Ben, thanks uh, so much for uh, being a part of this. I know we reached out to you via uh, LinkedIn, uh, mm-hmm. uh, via Instagram, we kind of went back and forth. Uh, we were really excited to kind of discuss a little bit more of what y'all are working on. So can mm-hmm. you give the audience a little bit of explanation on what Hubcap Wellness is focusing on what sort of products they provide their, their customers and kind of how it all started.
4: Definitely, definitely. Well, Hubcap Wellness, um, it's a fairly, we're a fairly new organization uh, that came about, I think, uh, from kind of a meeting of minds during, uh, during the pandemic. Um, we all came from a background where we had experimented in our past and we were kind of in the kind of new age wellness, biohacking kind of sphere. And uh, we started uh, researching more and more the benefits of uh, utilizing psychedelics more specifically psilocybin uh, for many many functions Uh, out of that uh, came hubcap wellness Uh, we are a we're essentially a um, online uh, dispensary and knowledge base uh, where we provide various psilocybin infused products plant medicine products as well as a knowledge base so we collaborate with health tech companies as well as uh, different, different um, illegal research programs uh, that are going on at the moment, more specifically in microdosing. We really push responsible use uh, in, in microdosing. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the sake of this event, we uh, we have uh, launched two new edible lines, one called Hub Chocolate and the another uh, collaboration that we've done with a, uh, a Montreal-based chocolatier called Telamona. Um, so we've gone into kind of the uh the more high-end um edible market uh with that yes
0: tell us a little bit more about um the the sorts of uh mushrooms the type of mushrooms that you use um for your chocolates mm-hmm. and everything else how is it how's it like or different from from cannabis where kind of the cultivars are kind of there for a specific purpose or use
4: definitely uh well what i'm seeing in the cannabis space and i and i'm you guys are more experts than me on that is that you kind of have your indica sativa crowd, right? It's indica or sativa. Uh, I know there's a lot more, but the common knowledge is uh, that you hear about is indica and sativa. Uh, As for psilocybin, uh, psilocybin mushrooms, you have many strains uh, that act very differently. For the sake of this event, again, uh, we'll talk about the strains that were used for our edibles. uh, For the um, collaboration that we did with Telemona, we use the Maspitec, uh strain, uh, which is a strain that's native to uh, Mexico. And we hold very dear because um, it was used by Maria Sabina. Uh, and if anybody has done a bit of research on the, the history of uh, magic, mushroom, uh, magic mushrooms and psilocybin, how it was introduced to the Western world. It was done through um, a healer um, that was named Maria Sabina. So we use the Maspatek strain, which is is of medium potency and has been said to to, to help a lot with kind of uh, introspection and stress relief. As for the hot chocolates, we've used the most common strain that's known to anybody that's that's tried magic mushrooms specifically in the West is Golden Teacher. Uh, It has a mild psilocybin, uh, content so it was easier to, to use and it's it's been said, it's called Golden Teacher because it's been said to induce a lot of introspection uh, within its users from an emotional level uh, so as far, again, as far as getting into the edible uh, market, we didn't want to use strains we, we have higher strains for other products mm-hmm. but for the sake of our edibles we didn't want to use uh, strains that were, that were too high psilocybin content so people can enjoy the taste enjoy the experience and whatnot
0: that's great. What, what sort of testing um, or R&D was involved in, in kind of uh, producing these, these sorts of edibles on your end? Uh,
4: well, on our end, I mean, we did some market research. Other, uh, other dispensaries like to go kind of have kind of, um, let's say, a 500 milligram bar, right? So each little kind of chocolate would have a, a little bit of psilocybin. On our end, we went straight up with uh, 0.5. So our, we have kind of chocolate bites uh, that are 0.5. We do, uh, 0.5 grams. Uh, we do tell our clients and it's their first time to just kind of go easy on it. You know, uh, eat it little by little. Uh, we, we'll be experimenting with other sizes, but for the, for the time being, we have uh 0.5 grams, uh, bites. Okay. And um, I have go ahead.
0: No, go ahead. Sorry. Uh,
4: no, I, I simply wanted to add, uh, that, more specifically the uh, uh, collaboration we did with Telemona, Uh we use vegan coca butter pigments, uh 72% organic trade the Venezuelan uh, chocolate, and we um, you know, we research the doses and uh the the, the mushrooms are grind up. Um we do have kind of our signature uh we use we always sprinkle it with a bit of toss toffee to add kind of that like sweetened salt um uh uh, sweet and sugary, uh, sweet and salty, sorry, uh, taste to it. Um, but for the time being, yes, this is what we're using. Uh, but we plan to kind of experiment with other, uh, uh with other methods as well. Let,
0: let's jump into a little bit about, uh, using cacao to increase kind of the, the effects of psilocybin. Are there any other kind of natural foods out there that is a great complement to add to, uh, to psilocybin, any like flavor combinations there that, that really bring out the, I guess, more of a balance to the product?
4: Well, I, I just want to touch again on, on cacao. Uh, with cacao, we know obviously cacao is not as psychedelic, uh, but it does have psychoactive, uh, can have psychoactive uh, properties. Uh, it's a mood enhancer, as we know, and it's always been considered as a, a heart center. Um, If we go back in history, there is a long history uh, of using psilocybin along with cacao, more specifically with the Aztecs. uh, They would call the sacred mushrooms the flesh of the gods and the cacao name would be the food of the gods. So there was a saying that the mushroom opens up the mind and the cacao opens up the heart. Uh, from a scientific standpoint, um, we it has been found, and we're actively researching this, is that cacao increases the effect of psilocybin because it contains an MAO inhibitor that prevents the breakdown and uh, the modulation of neurotransmitters like serotonin. Um, so when you do combine it with cacao, we found that your your, 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 your kind of a higher your your sweet spot dose, uh, so to say, would be a lot lower because it's combined with uh, with cacao. Mm -hmm. Uh, now to continue to continue you were asking if there's any other foods that we found uh we're actively uh we're actively researching that uh for the time being we do also have uh tea uh we do also have our tea blends that are that we are doing um we've recently even had a private yoga and psilocybin event uh called miko and flow where users very, very, very respectively from the weight and their experience were administered uh, a specific dose and uh, could go through kind of their their flow yoga. We're going to have a whole series of that throughout the summer. Uh, But for the time being, again, we're touching simply on um, chocolate edibles as well as tea. Uh, But again, we are actively researching um, how to infuse it. Uh, into various uh, into, into various other foods. We're going to be jumping into truffles uh, very soon as well. Truffles have a, a lower psilocybin content, so you can infuse it in food a lot better. Uh, but for the time being, again, uh, it's only tea and, and cacao.
0: All right. And for the people mm-hmm. who don't know, um, obviously you're you're um, you're Canada based. Uh, yeah. wh- where do you kind of see that the the psilocybin edibles side of things progressing um, in in Canada?
4: Well, for the time being, as we all know, we are kind of in a gray zone uh, that, that, that's between, you know, decriminalization and, and whatnot within Canada. Uh, you'll see that in the west coast of Canada, there are a lot more ahead. People are a lot more forward with it. Uh, for the time being, we operate in the gray zone. Uh, I see it growing. i definitely seeing it growing. Uh, but again, here at that Wellness, we spur we spurred just responsible use um, and, and the effects of microdosing uh, with that. So I, 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 it's, it's going to go nowhere but up. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I, I don't want to talk too much on THC and combinations, but we are experimenting as well right now with CBD, mixing of CBD and, uh, and psilocybin, but it, 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 it's, nowhere, it, it's going up. Um, good question. Uh, we've entered new markets within the Canadian market. We're seeing... Certain areas go more for the dried mushrooms, but we're seeing an uptake in uh, people wanting that tea or that or that chocolate uh, to infuse. Because as we know, at the end of the day, we're selling fungi. We're selling mushrooms. We kind of all know where they're from, so to have to, to to make the the uh, the experience as pleasurable as possible uh, is, is, is what we're trying to do.
0: Right. Is there anything on the technique end or on the production end we need to know when when dealing with psilocybin and and chocolate and other things? Or is it it straightforward? uh,
4: We're definitely not going to, uh, from a production side, it's a handmade. The chocolate here that we work with is handmade, meticulously made. I mean, the toffee bites are literally sprinkled on by hand. We do do large batches uh but there's this meticulousness and love that's put into it uh that for now that we do and, and, and we're very careful as well uh we are dealing with something that, that, that's psychoactive uh so as far as dosage and the way we kind of administer the psilocybin within um are different bites uh and that's another reason that we do them we do do, do the portions in bites um Again, there's a, the reason where we do that, but there's a, there's a meticulousness in the, in the way that we do we approach our uh, our edibles.
0: All right, all right. So let's bring everyone up here. Let me make sure everyone's here. Let me take you off a uh, pin here. All right. Now let's jump into the panel discussion. Um, again, mm-hmm. if you guys have any questions, please uh, jump in the Q and A section. Start dropping your questions now. We have about 20 minutes left, so I want to get around to any of your questions first if we can. Um, so let's talk first about um, <clears throat> kind of the first cu- question we want to dive into here, uh, regarding uh, kind of the the struggle between what's happening with uh, kind of the illicit markets producing uh, products that are very similar to, you know, uh, kind of your your KitKats, your Skittles, your things that are out there that have trademarks and and are marketed to kids. How do you guys see this whole struggle going? uh in the future um how where, where's kind of the line that needs, needs to be drawn there to make sure that we're being responsible on both ends here anyone can jump in on this one and everyone's muted
3: <laughs> i think lj should jump <laughs> in on this one or rachel yeah. i'm going to give you yeah, that
2: I'll, one I'll, uh, I'll go on this one because it's it, it, it's affected me so yeah um you know it, if you get back to the basics of, of candy, you know, you name name some name brands there, but if you take, let's just take a, you know, a gummy bear. Uh, there's no real, you know, trade secrets to make it. You could find out on YouTube how to make gummy bears. You could, you know, look it up online, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, you know to formulate it is is not that um, big of a deal. The, the big deal comes in is when you take these brand names and then, you know, you said, you know, Skittles and Kit Kat And and I know there was hmm. one out there, NERD's ropes and uh, marketed it with THC or, or something else in there that should not be in there. That's where the issue is. Um, and that's, that's, it's not right. It, it's, it's bad. I mean, you know, you could cause harm if, if a child, you know, thinks it's a, uh, you know, a NERD rope or a Skittle that they're used to eating every day, for, you know, from Halloween or just around the house. And it's, and it's, has an active in it i don't know you know it could, it could be very harmful to them so i think that you know making a candy that's similar is it, it's going to happen it happens now if you look at a at a gummy or a pectin piece you know it's out there but it, it's packaged safely but to start taking brand names and or even just changing a letter or two on a brand name and saying, no, this is my my active uh, candy now is just not right because it could cause, uh, you know, no one's trying to do anything uh, harmful. I mean, I understand that it's, you know, you're playing off of a brand that's already established out there, but, you know, this is a brand that somebody else has developed and has put many years and, and a lot of money behind it to build it up to be a consumer brand. And then you're going to take it and, you know, kind of, you know, uh, alienate it a little bit or alternate it a little bit. It just doesn't make sense to me. So... I mean, you know, coming from a candy background where I, you know, my family's had a lot of big brands out there. This, you know, I'm, I'm a little uh, passionate about this subject to say the least, so. What do I well, I
1: also think in terms of the illicit market, I mean, if you're, it speaks to the quality of the producer if they can't make something on their own and they just need to dose or copy something else that's out there. Um, but ultimately, you know, it depends what we're talking about because I think uh unpopular opinion might be like I don't think that 12 to 21 year olds are actually uh interested in the candy you know I think they're interested in what's in the candy younger than that sure I absolutely get it I have two young boys at home um and I think you know in the regulated market of course it has to do we're very careful with the packaging and at my house, you know, everything's way up high where you're not going to be able to reach it. Um, but it is an issue and I think we will see it change also once these big candy companies want to enter this market, which I believe will happen as well.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And, uh what about you, Sebastian?
3: Uh, I mean, I agree with what these guys are saying. I mean, from my perspective, I think it, it's coming down to the, the consumers becoming better educated. Like right now, I think that the challenge between the illicit market and the the, the legal market is again the fact that you know this transition won't happen overnight. And I think that as people start to recognize the care uh, and the attention that goes into creating products legally, I think they're going to feel much safer about it. And they're going to feel like if they are going to, as, as new users are going to be moving towards cannabis use, they're gonna to wanna to make sure they're buying products that they feel are safe and that are reputable and that have all these other great attributes like anything else. Like, would you buy, you know, whatever it is, a, a, a bag of lettuce off a guy in front of uh, Whole Foods? you know, before going inside because it's three bucks cheaper? Probably not. You'd wonder where that lettuce came from or whatever else. Well, the same should be the case with, uh, you know, cannabis. When you look at the care that people are putting into these products, um, I think that when you look at the illicit market, uh, you know, a lot of them are just trying to make a buck. Uh, I respect that. But at the same time, I think they're they're in for a little bit of a surprise when when these companies are not going to allow their brands to be associated with with an illicit market product or even a, an industry that maybe they're not comfortable with yet. So I think we're going to see a, a real pushback
0: all right. Uh, ben, we have a few questions for you here. Um, a couple things. Uh, one question came in from, do we know if psilocybin can be made into distillate? Um, and they also want to know if Hubcap uses uh, the Penis Envy uh, mushroom. Ben, you got that? Maybe he's on mute.
4: I'm muted. I'm muted. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, so I, yeah, I got that. Uh, distillate, very good questions. We are actively looking at that. Um, we are uh, working with the company um, overseas, well, within the Americas, I should say. Okay. Uh, there's nasal sprays that are being developed uh, at this point, and there's different types of infusions as well. We've experimented with coffee infusions and, and whatnot, tinctures as well. Uh, they're being looked at. So that that's uh, that's an option. And as far as the Penis Envy, yes, we do utilize uh, the Penis Envy uh, strain of mushroom, which is a uh, a strain that's fairly popular. It's fairly high, uh, fairly high uh, psilocybin content uh, within that Penis Envy mushroom. But we do uh, utilize uh, we do utilize and provide that strain.
0: All right, uh, another question came in. This is for everyone. Is using a distillate this, the, the best way to measure the amount of THC in a product? If so, why? I'm trying to figure out how exactly to dose properly when making edibles. Anyone can jump in on that one.
1: I don't think it's necessarily the best way. I think there's a lot of ways um, you can do that. Um, some people prefer canna butter, um, as we discussed, live resin. Um, is becoming more and more popular it really depends what is easiest for you what you have access to and what you feel comfortable with for us as a manufacturer we feel most comfortable and consistent with distillate but it really just depends um i would warn you that when you are making things at home you know it is a lot different than what we have to go through in terms of knowing what you're eating, um, you know, making can of butter at home, not testing it, and then making, let's just say, brownies. Um, you're really not going to know exactly what you're eating. So I think for a um, well-seasoned consumer, that's fine. But somebody that's looking to enter, um, you know, the world of edibles, I would not start there.
0: Anyone else?
2: I would oh, agree. agree with, with great, I'm sorry, I would agree with Brage also, is easiest for you. Um, and use both. Um but in my because uh, the production um that we do has been scaled up, the water soluble uh for our edibles seems to work the best for us.
0: Okay. Um given all all the uh the several dietary restrictions, gluten-free, vegan, low sugar, paleo, all the things that are kind of out there. Have you guys been able to kind of navigate your SKUs or your product line in accordance to that or just basically this is what we are? What's kind of been the, the, the procedure there for y'all?
1: I can start <laughs> um, So we have... Um, a myriad of products that align to different people's dietary needs, whether it's vegan, gluten-free, um, paleo, etc. low sugar. Um, I mean, goes along with paleo, but we, that's the hardest for me. Um, because I, I have a hard time with the taste of like fake sugar, if you will. I know there's workarounds that yep. doesn't taste fake, but, um, you know, I'm a pastry chef, so I, I do love sugar, but, um, we definitely have those products and I would say they're niche products. So they're not our top sellers, but the people that love them religiously buy them and rely on them. But by far like brownies and traditional products are more popular for our for our brand. I don't know about everybody else.
2: Uh, I'll hop in there again real quick. Um, for our, our clients, there's really uh, two ways that we are seeing right now, um, one is, uh, you know, that there was one product that they want low sugar, you know, certain amount of grams per piece, which is becoming very popular. Um, the other piece of this too is, you know, whether it's a pectin-based piece where it's, it's vegan based on pectin or whether it's gelatin, uh, which obviously is not, not vegan. Uh, we see a lot of uh, our customers are going towards a pectin piece for a variety of reasons. One of it, uh, one of them being, very heat stable, especially in the summertime when you're trying to uh, ship product around the country. Pectin is a lot more heat stable than a gummy. Um, but we also find out that uh, using a gelatin based gummy um, lets you put more active, um, quote unquote, stuff into it before it and it still sets up properly, whereas, Pectin is a little more tricky. So, you know, we, we do both, and it's um, really what the customer wants at this point, but I, I would have to say that I see uh, from the production side moving more towards a vegan pectin piece than I do with the gelatin-based piece.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: Sebastian or Ben?
3: Uh, I mean, from my perspective, I think, I mean, one, if you look just even outside of the cannabis space, um, you know, if you've gone three or four years ago and you tried to find a decent tasting gluten product or vegan product in a in a baked good, it was almost impossible. And nowadays, you know, you can find products that taste as good as, you know, the, the or almost as good as, depends on your opinion, but almost as good as uh, lots of great pastries and baked goods out there. So I think one, that's made that it's much easier to to, to accommodate those types of requests and diets and, and types of uh, Um, demands from customers Um, from our perspective there's we sort of draw the line at that we we are really 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 focused on the ingredients that go into our products so it's generally there's less than six maybe seven ingredients that go into any one of our products we always look to like we're just we just reformulated all of our fillings for our macarons um, to be completely uh, vegan and gluten-free oh they're already gluten-free but vegan dairy-free etc for the california market but that being said try and make a uh, macaron shell without egg whites and <laughs> it's not going to taste very good or it's not going to be, you know, you're going to have to fill it with, it with sugar, which, yeah. which is not a great alternative. So I think we're sort of balancing between accommodating these things and sort of pushing forward all of these amazing, you know, varieties that we're offering people. But you got to sort of stop when it comes to if the quality of the product isn't there. Um, then I think, you know, I think LJ mentioned at the beginning, it doesn't taste good. Well, that's to me, that's the baseline for our products. I mean, they got to taste great. And then hopefully they do a whole bunch of other things for you.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: What about
0: you,
4: Ben? Um, well, that's why we we jumped on the collaboration with Telemona, um, which because they use the vegan cocoa uh, cocoa butter pigments and uh, all organic ingredients. For the other one, we must admit we used um, just pure uh, organic cocoa butter, uh, but just to give the, the choice of both. But yes, for further um, for further products, we will be considering. Um, dietary, dietary restrictions.
0: All right. Uh, so let's see, what are the panelists thoughts on using synthetic and biosynthetic cannabinoids in edible products? Any thoughts on that?
3: No. Okay. Great. Great question. I don't know if I have a lot of (laughs) thoughts on that though. (laughs) Sure. Does anybody really want to wade into that?
1: I I don't have any thoughts on that. Sorry.
3: Yeah, no worries.
0: Um, let's let's talk a little bit more about expansion. Um, I know Sebastian, you guys finished your your uh, your last round. Congratulations on the raise there. Thank What's, you. For you guys, wh- what does that take you guys to? Uh, I know what sort of runway, what, what sort of projects do you has guys have in the mix uh, for um, using that?
3: Well, I mean, I, I come from the food and beverage background, where there's it's sort of a weird phenomenon. A lot of people in cannabis haven't quite you know, maybe they have a different outlook, but um, I've always been like, you kind of have to make money. That's sort of the point of any business, right? If we're not profitable, you kind of have a problem. I think Rachel knows it from restaurants and Mm -hmm. sure LJ knows it from candies and stuff. Um, So we're really focusing on sort of like uh, being really responsible as to sort of how we expand. We really have, we have three strategies or three focuses or priorities, I guess is the best way to describe it. One is to expand into new markets, um, we've got a ton of markets that you know we're very interested. In. I think there's seven or eight that we're actively looking into, but it'd be unrealistic to to hit you know more than maybe one market a quarter at the most. We don't want to spread ourselves too thin. We don't want to you know everyone makes mistakes. We have learning curves, so we want to be careful about that. Uh, but we will be launching in California in the fall. So excited about that! I know it's uh, we'll come down and say hi to Rachel, and uh, but it will certainly be an exciting market. I've heard you know it's the wild wild west of cannabis. And uh, so we're excited about that. Um, We have had a lot of demand to expand our SKUs within our portfolio. So we have four flavors of Macro right now and four flavors of Mirage. People are asking for more flavors. So that's definitely something that's kind of easy to do. Uh, And lastly, um, we strangely enough had uh, um, a lot of the partners talking to in new markets have asked about our Mirage dispenser and about licensing it. So they want to put their own products in it and it's something that's really interesting it never really occurred to us in the beginning Uh, but then in these partnerships when we're talking they're like oh well okay yeah we can produce our products for us but hey can we put our own products in our own branded dispenser and we're sort of thinking well why not i mean from our perspective um it's a little bit like some other you know models that i can't mention because they are major candy brands from years and years ago that we all know that only sold one candy in their in their dispenser well if they had opened that up to Cadbury to put products in it or, or, you know, try to, to put gum pieces in it or whatever, it'd be interesting. So we're, that's to us a very exciting opportunity. And um, so we're looking at that in terms of a licensing model around our dispenser and the, um, the patented technology that goes with it.
0: Uh, that's great. Wow. I'm excited, at least hopefully try the product once I'm back in California at some point. Uh, mm-hmm. Rachel, what about you guys? Where are you guys heading the next, uh, next year or so? What's, what's kind of the plan?
1: Yeah, so we are obviously in California a very saturated market at this point. Um luckily we were we've been in it, but um we're trying to hit markets that are up and coming, you know, not nothing like we're not trying to go into Colorado per se if the opportunity presented itself, sure, um, but more up and coming markets. Uh, Oklahoma, I'll tell you, Sebastian, is really the wild, wild west of cannabis. Uh, um, there's like a dispensary on every corner last time I went there. So we are focusing our efforts on that, um, but trying to go out east as well. You know, we don't really have much of a reach out there right now.
0: Come join us. Come join us out east. Yeah, We'd we'll l- like to have
1: y'all.
0: Um, <laughs> just a follow up question on that: Is so? Are you, Rachel? Are you guys at the point that you know you guys have kind of your your set equipment, your set uh, project, uh, uh, policies and procedures, SOPs, everything that you can kind of plug and play this in, there, in any any state? Or there's still a few things that you're working out?
1: Um. It is getting to the point where it's pretty streamlined and plug and play. I mean, there have been some hiccups along the way. I think the biggest thing, you know, with expansion is just finding the right people because we're not opening up shop in these right. states, we're licensing. So, um, you know, the partnerships we make are the, of the utmost importance, right? Because sometimes characters in this business are not as straightforward as they could be. So, um, that's the number one thing we look for.
0: You're right. Mm-hmm. What about you, LJ?
2: Um, yeah, you know, we're, we're in New York, and we will not, uh, most likely, never say never, leave New York. But we have, in the last year, um, doubled our space uh, since I came on um, about a year ago. And we will probably, um, we are actually, we are looking in the next six months to um, double or triple our production on our machinery. So you know that's kind of like where we're going to go. We're not necessarily going to ex- expand out of New York. Um, we're based in New York, and since we're an ingredient ingredient company, um, we will not uh, leave New York—at least not now. But the expansion on our machinery, our equipment, and our plant is what um, what we will be doing in the near future, say six months. All right. Um, what about you, Ben?
4: Uh, for us, we're, we're, we're expanding with different ver- uh, verticals. Um, as far as the product offering that we have now, uh, as I said, we're gonna expand more in the truffles and bring more variations to our edible market. Uh, but we're also um, have another division that will be working on performance enhancement uh, products that infuse various mushrooms, not, not necessarily psychoactive, so cordyceps and, and such. Um, and uh, and others. Uh, we are also continuing our micro and flow series, which will be kind of um, yoga, psilocybin, private experiences that we'll be doing. Uh, and for uh, so now, we're, we're we're in Canada uh, because of the confines of the law. And uh, the how uh, we're actively working with other organizations to lobby for decriminalization. So we'll be we'll be working on that. Uh, but all in all, um, as we always say, we sell more with knowledge than in product. So our big thing is to create kind of a hub uh, of knowledge with everything plant medicine and and psilocybin. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Ben, just a follow-up question. Have you guys been able to network within kind of the psychedelics industry and get people Mm -hmm. excited about your products, kind of the whole approach that you guys are taking? Um, Mm -hmm. Have you guys been able to kind of reach out to the right people there?
4: Uh, Well, again, I think if you you look at our content uh, on social media, it's it's knowledge-based. Uh, again, uh, we'll you'll you'll rarely see us kind of flash our products just like that. It's we're more from a knowledge perspective uh, with the proper sources of, of partners that we speak with. Um, we're kind of entering, as they call it, a third wave, kind of a psychedelic renaissance. Uh, so we're linking with the uh, with the uh, with the appropriate people. Um, they're giving us their scientific findings, and then we're kind of disseminating that to our to the public. And they've been extremely receptive. Uh, and we'll continue. To do that um, and sell with knowledge and, and not necessarily product.
0: All right, uh, we only have a few minutes left. I want to make sure that um, we get around to any other final questions. Uh, please plug them in, in the Q and A section. Um, so this is a point of our, you know, of our events in which we uh, give everyone a few minutes to kind of say their uh, final remarks. They say their piece, things that um, you all want kind of the audience to uh, to reach back out or, or remember y'all uh, for. Um, so for, for us, hold on, let's see, there's another question here. Uh, no, I think that's not. Um, so I want to give you guys each, uh, a chance to kind of say your closing remarks. Um, uh, for us, you know, uh, you know, we have one more event, uh, before we take a little break for the summertime, um, please go to bootlegavocado.com and check us out at the uh, Resurgence of of Hospitality and Tourism event happening in two weeks. Um, And I want to hand this over to Rachel. What about you? What are your final
1: Um, Well, thank you again for having me. It was nice to speak to such professionals. Um, It's crazy just the vast uh, amount of experience that is in this industry at this point. Um, You can actually email me directly if you'd like. It's rachel at canico.com. You can go to our website at CanaEdibles.com. If you're in Michigan or California, buy our product uh, or Arizona and Oklahoma this summer. And our uh,
0: Instagram's Kiana company. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Rachel, so much. Uh, Sebastian, you want to go?
3: Yeah, just uh, again, uh, echo those uh, same thanks. Uh, appreciate being included. Great to chat with all these guys. Um, Hervé, you can visit at Hervé.fr. I know that sounds a little bit odd, but it actually works. Um, and uh, add Hervé Edibles on, uh, on Instagram. And uh, if you're in Las Vegas, check out our products. Let us know what you think. And we'll see you guys in California in the fall.
0: Amazing Sebastian. Thanks so much. I can't wait to, to taste the macarons at, at some point. Uh, LJ. Yeah. Thank uh,
2: you. know, again, thank you. everybody. It's great to talk with you guys. Uh, meet some new, new friends. Um, you can contact me at LJ at seronalabs.com C I R O N A labs.com. Uh, you can check also check out our website. Um, you know, if you have any water soluble, uh, You know, we that's all our stuff is water soluble products. So, if you have any questions about that, we'd be happy to answer them. Uh, you can also look at our capabilities as far as formulating and production of edibles, we'd be happy to help you with that too. So, um, it's been great, and I want to thank you all again very much. Really appreciate it.
4: Thanks so
0: much, LJ. Uh, Ben, take us home.
4: Hey, thank you, Mario. Uh, we linked up not that long ago. I'm so happy that we were able to do this. Uh, for everyone that wants to reach us, uh, we have our Instagram that's more knowledge based. You can reach us at, at hubcap.today. Um, we don't sell through our Instagram, it's simply for, for knowledge base. For anything product related, you can go to our website that's www.hubcap.today. That's www.hubcap.today hubcab.today. I can also be reached by email at trip at hubcab.today. Uh, we just ask people to keep an open mind, keep following kind of the, the studies uh, that's being done in the resurgence of psychedelics. If you have any questions, any feedback, anything, we're, 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 we're open. Um, reach out to us.
0: Awesome. And man. I hope
4: that one last thing, I hope that we deal in different sectors, but as, as things are moving along, as decriminalization and legalization is coming on, I hope that uh, Rachel, LJ, Sebastian, that our industries will intercept. And uh, let's keep in contact.
0: Awesome. Well said, Ben. Thanks so much. Thanks, everyone. Ben, LJ, thanks, Rachel, guys. Sebastian. Thank you. Thank Anna,
2: you. Thanks for
0: everything. we right, guys. see you all in a few weeks.
2: You got it. Bye-bye.